This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Nami Hinui and welcome to Our Changing World from RNZ National. The Marsden Medal is awarded for a lifetime of outstanding service to the cause or profession of science. And the 2016 Marsden Medal goes to Margaret Brimble from the School of Chemical Sciences at the University of Auckland. Margaret is recognised internationally for her success in synthesising bioactive natural products. An example of her work is the discovery of trofinitide, a new drug for neurodevelopmental disorders. It's undergoing phase two clinical trials at the moment, having been fast-tracked by the US Food and Drug Administration. Margaret tells Justin Gregory it will be effective not only for patients with traumatic brain injuries, but also in treating Rett syndrome, a devastating neurodevelopmental disorder. I didn't know what Rett syndrome was, and when I found out about it, it was one of those really horrific neurogenetic disorders that only affects females. Basically, normal female babies, they progress quite well um, till they're about 18 months old, and then they start to lose all their cognitive function and their motor function. And so they then progress through life, life expectancy, sort of maybe the mid-30s, um, and a, a pretty sad life in that they can't really um, you know, communicate that well, and a lot of them have to live their life in a wheelchair, um, fed by a tube. So it's really a really horrible disease, and it's, a, it's, it's caused by a mutation on the X chromosome. So a lot of older mothers, like myself, I was you know, old when I had my first baby, we worry about Down syndrome, um, but... Rett syndrome is not really talked about, and actually Rett syndrome's, you know, pretty pretty devastating if it happens. And there's no cure for it. There's unmet need, no drugs that can be used to treat Rett syndrome. So I think to develop a drug that, upon registration with the FDA, will be used to treat Rett syndrome, a, a disease that affects females, and having made it in a in a laboratory, in a female scientist laboratory, I, I, I personally find that really satisfying and something that I never dreamed that I'd do um, when I embarked on my very, very long career to be a medicinal chemist. When you say it will treat Rett syndrome, what exactly do you mean? So they've actually done the phase two trials. And if you look on the um, the Nuren Pharmaceuticals website and also the Rett syndrome websites, you'll see that patients that have been treated um, with the drug have actually seen quite dramatic effects. The um, the children that the young women are responding really well a lot. They do a whole series of cognitive tests um, and the, the tests are evaluated both by clinicians but also by the patient's um, caregivers. And they So they've set up a whole battery of tests that they, they look for and, and look for improved motor skill and improved cognitive function. Some of the mothers of the children that have been on the trial um, you know, have been quite upset when they, they now can't get hold of the drug till it's going to be registered because um, they've seen such dramatic effects. 
When do we think it will be available? When will it be in the marketplace? So they're in the final stages now. They're running a, they've run the, so they're under, it's been successful in the phase two clinical trial. They're running another trial at the moment for younger women, um, women from five to 15 years old, because they couldn't run the first trial um, with young children. And then they'll run a combined trial of um, pediatric trial in older women. And then and, um, at the same time, they're talking to the FDA about, about getting the, the drug registered. Your citation for the Marsden Medal says that getting the drug to this stage of development is, quote, a unique achievement. Now, scientists don't use imprecise language on the whole. Are new drugs no, really that rare? So to get a drug to this stage is really, is really very rare. I mean, not many drugs come out of academic laboratories. Most, most drugs are developed by large pharmaceutical companies with huge research teams. There are a handful of drugs that have come out of academic laboratories but there are very few, and this would be one of New Zealand's first that's actually going to get to them, you know, get to the market. You've talked about your satisfaction as a as a woman, as a female scientist, as a mother, and being able to develop a drug that will treat, you know, females, young young females. I'm looking back over the history of the of the Marsden Medal, I had to go back to 2007 to find another female recipient, and <clears> in the 19 years of it, you're just the third winner. I guess, you know, being a scientist, we tend to think of, you know, scientists you get acknowledged for achievements or that, that are sort of not that are gender neutral so I hadn't actually looked at that. I was slightly shocked by something you said in one interview when you said that particularly inside chemistry at a point in which a woman might become pregnant she often has to leave the lab because of the dangers of the chemicals to her uh, unborn child. I was quite simply just unaware of that as a barrier. Yes and it's something I had you know I just did chemistry because I really liked it and then it hit me when I was pregnant and all of a sudden um, I couldn't go into the lab I couldn't talk to my students and uh, but that that's particularly true for for organic chemistry, medicinal chemistry that I work with, because I'm working mm. with making new compounds. It's a very hands-on, um, you're, you're exposed to the chemicals when you when you make new compounds. There are other areas of chemistry that are more instrument-based that you could stay on, stay in the lab and work, but the particular area that I work in, making organic compounds, you, could, you really wouldn't want to be exposed to when you're in the early stages of pregnancy. Then I've also um, had a lot of very, very... Um, successful PhD students that have gone on to become postdoctoral fellows and, and start their own academic careers. And then they're also faced with the same problem that all of a sudden when they have their first child and then their second child, it happens again, they have to leave the lab and they're actually employed to do bench chemistry. And then, you you know, they've been employed on one of my research grants. They can't do the bench chemistry anymore. What do I do? I can't fulfill the objectives of my grant and the milestones because these people, the, the woman can't work in the laboratory. So we've had a few little issues around that. Um, you know, how do you deal with that? Because, you, you, you know, you can't sit there and say, well, I'm not going to employ a female scientist because they to do organic chemistry because they may get pregnant. That's just not, not, not fair. Um, but then, you know, both I've experienced it when I was younger, that I couldn't do my own lab work when I was pregnant. And then I also experienced it as a, now as a supervisor that I have people that work with me that can't work. All of a sudden, they can't come to me and say, I actually can't work in the lab anymore. And these are highly skilled scientists. They're not people that I can just replace you know, at a few months' notice to cover the work that we're doing. In, in the past, you've cited the late Sir Paul Callaghan as a mentor and an inspiration, and you talked about him in, in three different ways, as a scientist, as a science communicator, and for his work to develop research, research with a, a commercial focus. All three of those are equally important to you? He was a real inspiration to me as I was, when I was a younger academic and that he, you know, let us do our own science, let us get on with it. He was a great communicator. He, he, he encouraged the next generation. I guess I'd like to be remembered for the grandmother of science or organic chemistry. 
in the latter part of his career, he was very successful, as you know, at setting up the company Magitrek. Um, and it's something that I'd like to, I'd aspire to do. I'm working quite closely with our commercial arm of our university, Uniservices, to translate some more of our research um, in the area of cancer vaccines. So definitely it's something that I think the, the, the new generation of scientists are actively pursuing as uh, commercial opportunities to, to use their science. You know, New Zealand taxpayer foots the bill for a lot of research that's been done. So it's only fair that some of that work ends up being translated into into into, out, into um, outcomes that benefit New Zealanders. You're talking about working inside cancer research. Am I right that you're working on a vaccine for melanoma? Yes, we've actually, so one of the things I've done is I've set up a laboratory um, here at the University of Auckland where we can actually manufacture cancer vaccines, peptide-based peptide um, cancer vaccines. And we've actually delivered some for them. There was a trial run by the Malikan Institute of Medical Research where we supplied the, 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 the antigen component of those vaccines. But now we've, uh, we've developed some new um, intellectual property where we can make even better vaccines, where we can use the um, innate immune system to, to get stronger um, responses to our vaccines, and so we're looking at to commercialise that um, through through a spin-out company. So we're at the moment we're crossing that valley of death, we're trying to raise the money to take these to take these vaccines um, into clinical trial into humans, but hopefully in a cost-effective manner because we can manufacture those vaccines for um, to be used in clinical trials with, with, with patients from our actual laboratory rather than having to contract a laboratory overseas to do that, which would be very, very expensive. And so the day after the awards, that's what you'll be back doing? You know, the, the glitz and the glamour will be over and you'll be back at the coal phase? No, the day after the awards, 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm um, giving a talk for a Girls into Science program for the L'Oreal UNESCO Women in Science program. So we've got a lot of high school um girls coming into to the university to hear more about what we do here um, and then, then they'll be touring my lab a group of 40 girls will be touring the lab and other laboratories here at the university as well trying to you know just have that sort of close contact with an active with active research groups and see what you do when you get through that undergraduate degree and what you can end up doing because it's a subject that's very hard for people to relate to they don't I had no idea what what organic chemistry, medicinal chemistry was when I was when I was at high school, I had very little idea when I went through university, and it was really only once I'd done my undergraduate training and saw what I wanted to do uh, that I understood what my subject was all about. And congratulations to the winner of the Marsden Medal, the University of Auckland's Margaret Brimble. Thanks for listening to this Our Changing World podcast. You can stay in touch with us on Twitter at RNZ Science. Matewa. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.